Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670 The Score. The score. And 670thescore.com. And Odyssey Station. Previously on the Lawrence Holmes Show. And when your offense is not scoring a ton of runs in baseball, Lawrence, as you well know, and everybody that's listening <laughs> to this knows, your margin of error is incredibly slim. And this is kind of calls back to like the 2015 White Sox team. Chris Sale and Jose Catana are pitching really well. They get no run support. Yasmani Grandal taking the analytics cap off and just being a fan for a moment. Yes, what are we doing? Like a 24 weighted run straight at plus against righties? You're, you're, you're 76% below league average against righties? You got a, you got a 2% walk rate? Like, what are we doing? Why are you not playing your game? Your game is working the pitch count. Your game is swinging at a 33% rate because you own the strike zone. You're a catcher. You should know what the strike zone is. So, Lord, it starts with, yes, they got to get him going, and he's got to stop playing the way that he's been playing against right-handed pitching because none of this makes sense. Make me a bicycle, clown! We will tell you where Yaz is in the lineup today. Yes, he is in that lineup against the Angels. Base drop! Welcome in. My name is Lawrence Holmes, and I'm here with you until 2 o'clock on today's show. James Fegan will join us from the ballpark on the south side. We'll do that at 1240. Pete Butek is going to join me to talk about the Bears draft. That's right. The Bears had a draft. It's weird because I've been asked over the last couple of days whether it's via Twitter or folks just hitting me up in person. I saw a lot of people over at White Sox this weekend. Shout out to, to my security peeps, Bob and Maurice. Saw them. Bob was like, what do you think? of the draft here's what the most important thing that i i thought came away with like a couple i have a couple of i think premature bad thoughts about the players but the philosophical aspect of it i like that ryan poles was able to turn six picks into 11 picks i didn't feel like he took incredible chances you know, like, I don't think that he went and, and just was like, oh, we're going to throw it all away. Like, they're doing this in a very methodical, slow build way. And I like a bunch of the guys that they got. Some other guys, I'm like, eh, I'm not sure, but it's the draft. That's kind of how it works. We're going to take a break. I'll give you a little bit more on this. I want to talk about the, the first couple of picks that the Bears made. We will do that next. We will talk with James Fegan at 1240. He is at 35th and Shields, and we'll find out why the White Sox have lost 11 out of 13. I'm Lawrence Holmes. You're listening to The Score. Lawrence Holmes, noon to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. We addressed that yesterday in terms of I'm an I'm a offensive line guy. Like Obviously, I, w- I would fire away at, at all of them if I could, but it's, it really comes down to the preparation. It comes down to the board and, and where guys are valued. And, and this year, where we sat, to me, there were two good starting-level defensive players. 
And I would have made a huge mistake for this organization to say, you know what, let's just leave them there, let someone else take them. And then we're going to go to offense where they're not on the same level. <clears throat> and then you're kicking yourself a year or two later when that guy's at a, you know, an all pro. But yeah, I just did what I needed at the time. It's, it, so it, again, it comes back to discipline and doing things the right when I felt like that's going to be a decision that will happen. So far, I have liked how Ryan Poles has been a human being who happens to be the general manager of a team. He's not a secret agent. He's not a robot. He's telling you how he feels about some of the moves that he's made, I think, in pretty good detail. Welcome back. I'm Lawrence Holmes here with you until 2 o'clock. James Feagan is going to join me to talk White Sox. By the way, uh, Shohei Otani is out of the Angels lineup. He had a groin thing yesterday. Joe Madden says that he is available to pinch hit. So if you were thinking, the White Sox are already favored to win this game. So if you were thinking about maybe laying down a wager on FanDuel, know that Otani is not in the lineup. But then there's the problem with the White Sox lineup, which we'll get to in a few minutes. Looking at the Bears draft and looking at them getting Kyler Gordon, the cornerback, out of Washington to go opposite of, of, of Jalen Johnson and then Jaquan Brisker, safety out of Penn State. When I spent the time like listening to, to smart people like Olin, for example, talk about it, I know Matt Bowen said that, that Brisker was one of the best second-round picks in his estimation. That's a guy whose opinion, especially on secondary, I, I really trust. When you watch Brisker's tape, he, he is out there doing stuff. And what the Bears have needed for a while is a strong safety and that is his position like you don't have to worry about oh well are him and Ejax gonna switch out no 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 this guy is a legit strong safety he loves to play with the contact he likes to make plays downhill he's not afraid to be in the box all that stuff so you don't have to worry about that anymore the the drafting of Gordon I think is interesting too he's obviously a freaky athlete the Bears, I think, put on their Instagram him doing the flip in, like, full uniform. Or doing a standing backflip in full uniform. He's got the dancing background. He likes to make big plays. I think that they did a good job of getting that back four together. That doesn't mean from day one it's going to work out and they're going to lock it down. But I do love that they, they saw that as a priority. And if you're building defenses to go up against the offenses that are now in the NFL, when you're an 11 personnel 70, 72% of the time, you better have a strong back four. And for the last couple of years, the Bears have been far from that. And now they got to figure out, will this make Eddie Jackson a better player? Like, will you see the best out of him? Because now he's in a position where he can play his position. He can play free safety. I think we'll 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 get the answer to that question and what happens for the rest of like Eddie's career. Like, it's a huge year for him. But now there's a thumper that's going and someone who's also decent with the ball and brisker. The Vellis Jones pick is really interesting to me because of the way that Ryan Poles described him. And he he was trying to be careful, but you know, he, he was throwing out names like Tyreek Hill. And I see 
what he means, and I know that he doesn't mean that it's that he's going to be Tyree Kill, but I see a player that you look at him and look at some of the things they did at Tennessee offensively with him, where he is lined up in the slot, but they they ran some, I think some fairly advanced pick stuff to take the the outside receiver and have him run a run a hook in front of Jones and then have him run to to the boundary and up the field. He's got some dynamic playmaking skills to him. And and I, I thought that he was pretty impressive. The other guy that I thought was impressive when I watched the tape, Dominique Robinson, the the fifth round pick out of my Miami, Ohio. I enjoyed watching his tape more than I enjoyed watching some of the others. I'm going to break that down with Pete Futek at one o'clock. We're going to, I'm going to, I got his grades on the Bears draft and I'm going to just like let him do his thing at one. But when we come back, James Vegan is at the ballpark right now. The White Sox are getting ready to play the Angels. I want to ask him why this team has lost 11 out of 13 and why Dylan Cease has been so good. Is there any hope for the White Sox offense? I'm going to talk with James about that next here on the score. James Fegan, White Sox reporter for The Athletic. Yes, James. On Twitter at J.R. Fegan. I can anticipate this question. It's probably way too early, but excellent. Too soon. (laughs) Too soon. Asking the questions to get the answers you need. If you knew that Abreu was available to be the runner there, would you have gone to him instead of Hendricks? If I'd known that, I didn't know that. I'd check the rule. I'm guessing you know the rules better. Now I know. James Fegan with Lawrence Holmes on 670 The Score. James Fegan writes for The Athletic. He does a great job of it, too. Get yourself a subscription. I have one. It makes for my prep time a lot easier because it allows me to read the stuff that James Fegan is writing about the White Sox. Although I got a chance over the last couple days to see him do his thug fizzle in the White Sox clubhouse because I was out there, too. He joins me now on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline. Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. James Fegan joins me now from 35th and Shields. Hello, sir. What was it like to watch me interview one person for five minutes? Hey, man, you got to do. I, I also watched you talk with the 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 manager of the team and ask solid questions about some of the things that are wrong. I I have it as a highlight of my life. That's where I have it. <laughs> I want to know what's wrong with this offense. And I know that you wrote about this on The Athletic. What are the White like Sox? Yeah. Well, what are the White Sox saying on why they're struggling so much offensively? Um, well, what they're saying, I guess I'll give them credit. They're, more, they're not the ones who are saying, like, hey, look at our bad at ball data. We're going to be just fine. They are saying we're going to be just fine. But if you ever get a hold of hitting coach Frank Minichino, he will go railing about their lack of plate discipline so far. They uh, have the lowest walk rate in all of baseball um, at last check, I'm pretty sure. If not, maybe they're 29. And they have the second highest uh, chase rate uh, in baseball for swinging at pitches out of the zone. They've earned their lack of walks. They have not. This was something that they were talking about all off season and all spring training about, you know, everything we complain about in the playoffs, about them not hitting for extra bases or not hitting the balls in the air enough. You know, something Menachino said, hey, if you – you're swinging at balls in the zone with our swing pass. We will hit balls in the air. We will hit for power. If you're chasing out of the zone, you're going to be rolling over balls and hitting ground balls. Um, their ground ball rate's kind of a little bit better, but they are still chasing out of the zone. They are getting a lot of weak contact. They're not striking out very much, but they're just making contact on pitches they can't do stuff with. 
they have to rein things in. And obviously a big part of them drawing walks and maybe be working the pitcher a bit more where we're being propped up by guys like Yon Mankata and Yasmani Grandal. And we've seen kind of a month of how valuable those guys are and how much they have to be right to really make this whole otherwise aggressive offense work. But I think even guys who are not touted to be that have to be better at what they're doing. Um, Luis Robert needs to be a bit more patient. Jose Abreu needs to be a bit more patient. L.A. Menez, before he went down, was not patient enough. So it's across the board. Because they've been a team that's been aggressive and, and right there at the top of the league in swing rate, do you think that pitchers are taking advantage of that and, and making them try to hit pitchers' pitches early in counts? Absolutely. The book is out on them, especially with the, the season they had in 2020, uh, especially with the first half they had in 2021. Uh, pitchers know that they're looking for something in her half or that they feel like they want to get their arms extended and, and try to drive the ball or pull the ball for power. Um, there's a few hitters on this team who are really good at uh, you know, taking pitches the other way and even able to kind of drive that ball to authority. The fact that Tim Anderson can hit opposite field home runs now, I don't know how you stop him. And sure enough, he's the guy who's in 330 in the lineup. But that's what Eloy Menez looked at his best was uh, somebody who could drive the ball the other way with a lot of authority. You couldn't just avoid him in her half and stay away from his power. But um, the natural step that Pitch has been doing that for Luis Robert, too, is, all right, you've shown you can hit that outer half fastball. Let me see if I can get you chase a slider that looks like that that breaks a couple inches off. And, you know, for about a month straight, uh, the answer of that has been yes for the, for the White Sox lineup, by and large. One of the guys that has been good so far offensively is Andrew Vaughn. He is not in the lineup today. What's the latest on his hand? Uh, truly day-to-day is the word from it. It's still, if he's walking around, it's still taped up uh, pretty extensively. Um, he got 95-mile-an-hour fastball uh, on his, off his hand, and uh, I think – by and large, they're, they're lucky that they avoided a fracture, but you know, it's something he said the day after that he was feeling pretty bad. Uh, and I, I think it's going to be a day-to-day process of getting to where the soreness is down to he feels comfortable. You know, I think with how good Andrew has been and how much kind of uh, good, consistent at-bats he's provided to the team, obviously there's an eagerness. But I think if you go out there and run him out there while he has a sore right hand, he's just not going to be very productive even if it feels better seeing his name in the lineup. So, they're waiting until that kind of calms down uh, and hoping that in turn, you know, guys like Gavin Sheets, Adam Engel get going like they did for, for portions of the last season. I, I kind of thought it was interesting that Sheets was in the lineup today. Like, it, it seemed like a, you know, like I, I, was, I was looking at the matchup and I'm going, oh, that's interesting that they are, are going to get him some at-bats. What is the goal for Gavin Sheets? And is he still served by being at the major league level? So this is like me revealing my espionage tactics. When you were there yesterday, Tony had like his lineup for the next couple of days sitting on his desk. I and saw. For today, it was going to be Vaughn playing first base, and Sheets wasn't in the lineup. So I think this is just mostly – I don't think this is a matchup they would choose. Um, it, it's kind of a reaction to Vaughn being out. So Sheets is all of a sudden playing first base and hitting even lower in the order of the plan for Vaughn. Sheets is – as you can say, he's definitely struggled. Um, I think yesterday was a highly better game for them, and you know maybe there's, that's something they're monitoring as this goes forward with you know with the idea of you know, Makata coming up and what kind of response they do to that when it happens. But they are so bad against right-handed pitching right now in terms of their numbers, and they're so needed. They they so need somebody who's can add a little bit of balance to that and can add a little bit of uh, you know kind of longer fast, which he's been cheats the day with work sometimes. So 
yeah, definitely the way he's struggling, the fact that he has options, you kind of think about it, but I also don't know what their other options are organizationally, internally, to kind of give them some more balance or give them some more somebody who might, you know, pop a little bit against right-handed pitching like Sheets has in the past uh, in this organization, unless that's something they're, you know, at this point you expect them to be hunting at the deadline, assuming they're in it. Um, he, he's definitely struggled to the point where I, I get the question, but I also don't know what their what their better option would be to pull up uh, and replace them at this point. I finally found a a a place where Tony and I get along baseball wise yesterday in his conversation, and that was in his his uh, what's the proper word to say here his surprise and questioning Yoan Moncada trying to steal bases in his first game back in the minor leagues. I was like, oh, yeah, I agree. That's a terrible idea that, that Moncada is out there doing. What's the latest on Yoan Moncada, and when might we see him and Johnny Cueto at the major league level? The, well, I mean, I think Cueto, after his next start, which is tomorrow, is at the point where, especially if it goes as well as the last one is, you wonder if that next start is going to be in Chicago because um, he's showing the level of readiness and his pitch count will be up near 65, 70, where you could think the next logical step is a full start. And, uh, you know, obviously you could see an argument for putting him in the rotation right now. And with Mankata, I think the initial schedule is around um, the first five games of the current series that they have in Gwinnett um, with, with AAA Charlotte. I think Larissa recently said maybe in the next three games they're going to visit how he's looking and how he's feeling. Um, but, you know, other than his, his judgment on his first day back from rehab, everything's looked really good. He's hitting really well. He's moving around pretty well. And, you know, even the minor discomfort that he kind of said that he still had when we talked to him right before he headed out, which you know kind of seems concerning, it, it doesn't sound like he's reported any more of that uh, since he's actually started swinging. So I think he's in a place to probably rejoin them next week. Um, you know, if not by the weekend, just by how things are going. But, you know, the, the, the White Sox adage that they give is that whenever a guy is ready, they usually add on another day onto it for, for caution. Uh, obviously, they've had enough injury uh, incidents pop up over that. I don't know how much you want to take their, their word for that, but that is that's something they tout. What are they going to do with Dallas Keuchel? I don't know, man. Um, because, you know, we... I think his performance led up to the question that, uh, you know, Vinny Duber asked him yesterday, which is how does this feel different than uh, the second half of, of 2021? And, you know, Dallas's case is that, you know, he felt, well, he didn't t- say at the time last year that physically he felt inhibited from doing what he wanted to do, that his back was leading to a lot of problems, you know, up and down his, his body, that he couldn't command the way he did, that he couldn't get the motion that he did, uh, wanted to. Now he says his pitches are moving better. I don't know. You know, the data isn't really, you know, showing a big jump on that, that I would concur, but that he's not commanding it. But, you know, Dallas Keuchel has to command at a precise level to to operate, to be successful. You know, I, I have commenters who would be like, you know, Keuchel needs to stop nibbling. Like, you know, Keuchel's career is based on nibbling. It's just he used to be the best nibbler in the entire world and could hit those corners and never throw anything over the middle of the plate. And that ability is not there, as you see by the fact that he's walking guys because those precise makes, uh, the precise targeting that he used to have is not there. So I don't see if there's not some immediate turnaround in the next start, and I don't see that necessarily playing up in the bullpen. I don't, I don't know how much longer 
this really goes on. This is the last guaranteed year of his deal. I don't think they're trying to let this vest if it if it's not working out. So I think he's got to be at the top of the list of guys who you consider moving out when Cueto and, and Lynn are ready. So I, I think Velasquez has showed you something. He showed you certainly a lot of stuff uh, his last time out. And I also think he's a guy who I would see how I does, all that stuff plays in the bullpen before I say he doesn't have purpose for you, whereas Keiko needs to be uh, a precise version of that we haven't really seen since 2020. Yeah, it's it's it, and, you, and I'm glad that you all were asking the questions about the, how is this different. And I, I thought da- Dallas like politicked his way into an answer, and it, it looks the same to me that if you're not pinpoint accurate with your lack of velo, you're gonna get hit. And when when hitters know that you're trying to be pinpoint accurate and you're not there they'll take their walks like that and then you have to come into a player like Mike Trout and he hits the ball 500 feet that that's a bad recipe for having someone inside of your rotation but I, I'm not sure what they can do other than here comes Johnny Cueto and and hopefully Lance Lynn gets back by the way when's Lance Lynn supposed to be back Tony Russo wants him back in, in late May he said that's the realistic thing now that he's gone off a mound and it seems like it went well and he's throwing bullpen so at this point, he is out of the, in all sense and purposes, out of the rehab stage and into the building up stage. So I think, especially with the way Lynn's been kind of consistently working at it, I don't think that's more than a month uh, from what we're looking at. So I, I think it's, it's more of a three- to four-week situation from here on out uh, unless there's a setback. So that's something that's looming over uh, this rotation on top of it. You're not just clearing the way. Obviously, you know, starter injuries happen. You can't just say, like, we're going to add two guys so that no one's going to get hurt for the rest of the year. But... I think you're in a situation where there's going to be five more options, uh, you know, better than Dallas in, in their future. And, you know, they already kind of got a test case on how that went when they moved into the bullpen last year. And, you know, you talk about the velo, it's also the movement. Something I've been talking to Ethan Katz about was that they were trying to restore movement and sweeping action to his slider. Uh, and that was something that viewed as a key to kind of getting the same movement on the sinker that he had had in the past. Um, despite you know, the efforts and, you know, Ethan saying they're getting 15 inches of sweep in the in the bullpens that he's throwing when it comes to the start. It, it's averaging more eight or nine inches, and it's, it's not getting that extra life or the extra side-to-side movement that throws hitters off enough for some of the stuff to play up. So it, it, it's it's kind of everything right now. James, as always, I appreciate the times. Good seeing you yesterday. Have fun at the game today. <laughs> Who can't have fun uh, working like this? These are good questions. That is James Fegan of The Athletic. Get yourself a subscription if you're a White Sox fan. He is a must-follow for sure. We need to take a break. Why? Because we're about to go heavy into the draft. We're going to get a breakdown. You want to know how the Bears did in the draft? Our guy, Pete Futak, watched all of these players that the Bears drafted. He's got a report on all those players that he will share with you next here on The Score.